Chicago. What it is is what it is. You're listening to the people's on the morning, on Sunday mornings with Tara Stamps. You Are you sure you know what you're listening to? You kind of hesitated. No, no, no. I was just trying to, you know what I'm saying? I, my mind was going in all different kinds of places. Is that I was going to say it in Spanish, you know? Oh, well, go and break some of that out. Estás escuchando aquí nosotros en la mañana de domingo con Tarazán y la de Domínguez. You know what I'm about? Shout out to my OGs for teaching me the mother tongue. Yeah, shout out, because, you know, not, not all are able. I, I've, I've ran across a few, you know, yeah, in my yeah. lifetime. It's like, yeah, but I don't speak Spanish. Like, yeah, they be hitting the... Like, like that, shout like out. me. <laughs> No shit. No yeah. Hey, listen. But that ain't my mother tongue, so I was just trying to roll my R's. To, to all my Spanish-speaking non- and non-Spanish-speaking Latina folks, we love y'all. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make you any lesser. But oh, look at that. Good morning, Chicago. It's been a heavy week of Man. things in the news and events in the news. But before we get into it, I want to shout out, especially today, because what we're going to get into later on, I want to shout out our sponsors. Get out. You know get what I'm saying? Out. Let's shout out Chicago Teachers Union Foundation, uh, CCCTU 1600, SEIU, you know, uh, Friends of Brandon Johnson. Friends of Brandon Johnson. Chicago Federation of Labor. All of our sponsors. Because others talk. Brandon gets it done. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> if y'all saw the new, look, hey, some pe- some of us are on some mayoral ads. I'm just gonna say it like that because you know we can't be naming names, but some of us are, are out here on TV nowadays. Mm. Uh huh. Um, but really want to get into it. We do have a, a special guest later on joining us, uh, Alderman Byron Sicho Lopez from the 25th Ward. He'll be joining us around 9:15. But before we get into that. I do want to talk about, speaking of sponsors, the mayor shouted out uh, CTU. In a word. In a way. You know, she... She's so desperate. She don't know what she's saying. She was in she's a private so- uh, private event, you know, and, and they asked her about um, her opposition from Chicago Teachers Union and the um, Fraternal Order of Police. And she said, you know, you got on one side, John uh, Catanzara. From the FOP. And then on the other, you got Stacey Davis Gates, the president. The president. The notorious SDG. Of, of the Chicago Teachers Union. And then she had the nerve to say that the the, uh, the same side of a different coin, right? Or what was it? That was such a stretch. I mean, coin. It, it, that, you don't have to quote her. You know, she's not really worthy. But you don't really have to quote her because it's the intent is the same. To, like, mm. draw any comparison between the Chicago Teachers Union and the F- and the Fraternal Order of Police is just ridiculous mm. in a word and desperate. Like, what are you trying to do? Just get sound by you need some attention. Like that seemed like okay. You just this is an attention getting stunt mm-hmm. because clearly anyone who knows the history of the last like twelve. 13 years of the Chicago Teachers Union, nothing could be further from the truth. And often um, we are not, you know, we're kind of enemies of the FOP too, right? They're mm-hmm. not like friends of the Chicago Teachers Union. So to compare us in that way was ridiculous. And you know what? We can go on for an entire show and probably for multiple shows about the impact that our president, Stacey Davis Gates, has had not only on our union, on our schools, but on our city. But I'll say this per- from from a personal note. She's an inspiration. She's brilliant. The work 
the work and impact that she has had on families, working class families in this city um, is something that will be studied you know, for sure, decades, for sure. I mean, they are already studying our movement, right? Um, they've already studied Karen uh, Lewis. There's every reason to believe that Stacy even more so. And and then as I watch her, I'm just awed by her how strategic she is and how thoughtful mm-hmm. and um, how time and time again, her brilliance, you know, like they really do be wanting to steal sisters shine. I'm like, y'all, yeah. y'all really do be trying to do that. But um, for an example, right. For an example, um, <clears throat> I want to shout out all the, the striking educators, uh, UIC, mm-hmm. you know, um, professors and of the like are out on strike for a fair contract and even more than a fair contract you know what they're talking about they're talking about bargaining for the common um, good like which that like they lifted that language right up out of our playbook come on yo. right um and that's the impact we're having and so that's why i say stacy isn't feared or or because of stacy it's the influence is the impact yeah. and others are finding their voice and their agency through our work and through her leadership. Right. And um, not only are they talking about bargaining for the common good, they are literally bargaining for social workers and counselors right. at the school on the college level. So, I mean, it's turnkey from like <laughs> it's just from our space. Almost identically. And, and, you know, they holding it down. You know, recently we celebrated um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, shout out MLK, uh, you know, because we should celebrate MLK all the time and many others. But recently we celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm going to mess up this quote, but he said something of the likes that when the social justice movement and civil rights movement could come together with labor, mm-hmm. right, then you're really going to see uh, a movement for change, right? And that's exactly what co- uh, bargaining for the common good is, right? You're talking about putting these things in a labor contract so that it can be enforceable, negotiable, right? And and can have backing from working class people, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that um, leadership, Stacey Davis Gates, Jesse Sharkey, Karen Lewis from CTU, right? Jen Johnson, this, Jen Johnson, Jackson Potter, Brandon Johnson, all these amazing Hayes, Maria Moreno. Right, we can go on. We can and go on, on and right? on because <clears throat> you know. So you know, everybody knows that I run the We Care program uh, through the Chicago Teachers Union, where we match veteran um, Chicago public school teachers with early career teachers, but. What a lot of people don't know and who I want to share is those people. It's always people behind the people. And Stacy says it's like how the sausage is made. But it's always these people behind the people that's getting it done. The comms department, you know, the old tech people, the organizers feel like there's so many other people who make up the union and who make up the work that we're doing. I mean. We've gone from like a moment to a real movement in this city in a decade. Yep. And it's 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 chilling when you watch it, because I remember the moment uh, when we at the Chicago Teachers Union in um, in partnership with United Working Families realized that, A, we were going to have to politicize our fight. And B, we were going to have to start developing a party of progressives where we were going to start having to go around the city and really carry the message of what a progressive movement looks like and to be um, like 
for all intents and purposes, you know, the canary in the coal mine, right? That would be me I'm referring to. When this movement started and to see now where it is, is just mind blowing. That's right. And so to wrap the wrap it up on this point, you know, keep our president's name out your mouth. <laughs> So let's move. I love that. Let's Run move that it. back. You know what I'm saying? Keep, keep our president's name out, out your, your mouth. mouth. With an F at the end. <laughs> and so moving forward, let's let's move it along. Um, the mayor, the first mayor debate was this past week. Yeah. And something that was talked about. Um, and if you missed it, you can times. find it on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, they're airing it at, at, at 10 a, or the day ABC aired it yesterday at 10 a.m. I'm sure you can find it on, on all their channels. Right. ABC was uh, the Check host it out. It. Please check it out. But something that you heard throughout throughout it was um, questions about safety and crime. Right. And in particular, a question was made about what's happening to street vendors in the southwest side. Right, Street vendors, to give you some context, are being robbed at gunpoint. Um, since November, street, street vendors, organizers, volunteers have been out demanding um, resources, demanding help from the city. Um, and so today we want to bring in um, Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez from the 25th Ward, hey, hey, who has hey. been at the forefront of the fight Um and who has been calling on the mayor uh, for immediate action to help the vendors. So, Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Um, we're so glad to have you here. Um, Brother B- Byron. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you today. Thank you again for the invitation. Of course. Thank you for being here. Um, we really appreciate you having here. Now, if folks don't know, Alderman Byron Sixer Lopez, Alderman of the 25th Ward. Nick, a real partner. That's right. A has true been a progressive. Long-time ally. Right. The only progressive um, in the race at the uh, down in, in the 25th Ward. Mm-hmm. Right. And Holding it down. You're looking yeah. at neighborhoods like uh, Pilsen, Little Village, um, uh, University Village, right? Oblahoma. Homes, um, Barbara Jean Wright, uh, so many different neighborhoods in the 25th Ward. Um, Alderman, tell us a little bit about um, the 25th Ward and, and how these past four years have, have gone um, there for you. Well, thank you so much. Well, the, the 25th Ward, and again, the, I will talk about the new 25th Ward now. Encompasses mm, a remap. Community in the remap, right? Right. Uh, now, Pilsen to the village, right? Marshall Square. For the first time in, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, for the first time in history, we have Pilsen and Little Village now part of the same ward. Wow. These are the being um, port of entry for immigrant residents, immigrant refugees. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I've seen now their homes in, in Pilsen Little Village. Um, I'm, you know, another immigrant had who have arrived to Chicago, like many families, uh, many, many uh, refugees, migrants, in seek for, uh, for better days, right? Many are fleeing violence, many are fleeing despair, poverty, and many of the same issues that we deal with um, um, today. In fact, the reason why I, I got involved in the politics is precisely because of education and schools. That's what I'm, I'm a strong supporter of Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Yes. Because I know that he understands the problem. We talk about violence, right? And they talk about this and how it has gone, you know, violence. Uh, and there's really some countries that are completely out of touch, you know, in terms of what's actually happening or have betrayed the progressive movement. Um, we talk about violence and what's happening right now, for instance, with the street vendors. 
uh, what's happening in our communities. It's a direct result of this investment. Let's see, no, nobody's talking about, except for Commissioner Brandon Johnson, that the cause of a lot of the violence that has been exacerbated by the pandemic has been the closing of 50 schools in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago. Mm. And we close on top of that half the mental health clinics in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago. These were these are already communities that have been hit hard That's by right. the mass incarceration. They have uh. been hard on the war on the, the war on poverty became the war on the poor. Who the for generations? The alderman and has been. Uh, I'm sorry, Alderman. The Alderman spitting heat this morning. Um, obviously, you see that we're going to get into a lot with him this morning. We're going to jump into a quick commercial break because we have a lot to get into with Alderman Byron Sixto Lopez. Hold on the line for us, Alderman. Thank you so much. I can't hear the snare in my mic. I can't hear the snare in my mic. Yo, we're back, Chicago. And we're back. Listening to the people on Sunday morning radio, Tara Stancy, Lado Dominguez. And today we have the honor of having special guest alderman of the 25th Board, Byron Sixto Lopez. Now, Alderman was spitting bars. Yeah, he was. He was break, dropping nuggets. Talking about the war on poverty. Um... And so we want we want to get back into it, uh, Alderman. You were talking about what's going on now, um, what we're seeing with with street vendors, and um, what's been going on since November. If if you want to uh, continue, yeah, thank you again. And and it's important to connect the dots because the politicians right now who continue to pander for votes, who can pander <laughs> uh, to what is popular, but they dismiss the root causes and how we got here. So it's important to understand our history to know. You know the way forward. Yes, and yes. I tell you that. You know when we talk about violence, we cannot dismiss the fact that Bram Emanuel and the status quo closed down 50 schools in the poorest areas of the city of Chicago. They closed down mental health clinics, half of the mental health clinics, and then we see the results. That's why, and this is going to come back to what is important for us. Back in 2012, 2013, 2011 when the Chicago Teachers Union was organizing around stopping the school closures. They were talking about wraparound services. They were talking about... Yes, that we yes. About community schools. So I, I met Commissioner Brandon Johnson during this fight. Commissioner Johnson was the organizer of the Chicago Teachers Union fighting this fight. He was instrumental along of their dear Miss uh, Sister Karen Lewis, who were instrumental to help us fight in our community. Because of that organizing on the ground, we were able to keep two schools open, Pilsen Academy and Youngman Elementary, open here in the 20th ward in Pilsen. If those schools would have closed down, as it was the plan, with the silence of some of these so-called progressives that are now running uh, for office uh, as a mayor, you know, we have had even more pain and suffering in our community. So we have elected officials who don't understand the importance of schools during this time when we have a, a critical uh, time with a pandemic at hand, when we have a national crisis of, of mental health among young people, mm-hmm. and we have some candidates that are still today, and I'll be clear, especially uh, Congressman Garcia, who have pledged to put another 1,600 officers in the streets, especially in these poor areas. So, 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 
you know, that are communist states. So again, this is fundamental because we need to understand the root causes of the problem. I am so... <clears throat> hey, Byron, this is Tara, and you know you've been an ally with the Chicago Teachers Union. <clears throat> And not just with the Chicago Teachers Union, on the side of right, on the side of, of what's best for Chicago, on the side of social justice issues that impact all of our communities in the city of Chicago. And so um, we, uh, we watched the debates the other night, and many of the um, candidates were calling for more policing. And we know that we spend, what, how much money? I mean, you're all, how much money of the of the city budget already goes towards policing, Byron? So we, we talk about almost 40%, 37% of our budget. And this is talking about, we talk about a budget that goes, I mean, this was the largest uh, budget in the history of the $16.4 billion, right? We talk wow. about, in terms of like equipment and all that, you talk about a $6 billion budget wow. for a system that is failing or kids is failing or commits every day. And this is the kind six of billion dollar budget that we know is failing, and the police officers already have forty percent or nearly forty percent of that budget. And so we, you know, we've heard people say they're calling for more police, and we've also heard other candidates say, "Yeah, we're calling for them, but we're already paying out this kind of money. Do you feel any safer?" And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm curious as to what is the community like? What do you think? We know what some of the root causes are. How can we? provide protection and support to the people, to the vendors who are being injured right now? How can we provide the necessary um, support? What are some of the innovative ideas? That's what I, I hear when I when I was listening to the debates the other day. What I really did hear, save for Brandon Johnson, is a lack of imagination, a lack of what a visionary future could look like for this city, how we can make this city run better. Um, a lot of people just want to put more money throwing at the same old problem. So I'm just curious as to what do you think uh, would be necessary? So I, I, I believe that there's three things that I think that innovate, well, from innovative to courageous to important and bold. Mm. So the number one thing is that we got to stop fueling the racial tensions for political gain. That is, that is simple. Because when we have candidates that fueling on those divisions, for political gain, because of course we see what's happening or where the, heat, the hardest hit areas in the city of Chicago. That's what I believe Commissioner Johnson is the best equipped because he grew up in, in Austin. He hasn't left the West Side. He's dealing with the West Side. Sure. Austin's fighting for his constituents, and we need someone who understands that fundamentally. So I think that first and foremost, we need a, 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 a mayor who truly brings us all together by saying, look, these are the root causes. Here's what we need to invest. So we need investment. And the strategic investment that must happen has, you know, is right here in front of us. Commissioner Johnson is the only candidate for mayor who has visited the discount mall in Little Village and talked to the small vendors, not mm. only about how we can protect this space, which generates, you know, 26 Street brings the, to the city of Chicago, pre-pandemic, $900 million to the city of Chicago. Wow. This is one of the most important commercial corridors. We need to protect it by helping people understand where the root causes are and helping us invest in our own communities. We can protect these are between 400 and 500 jobs that are at stake because of one greedy developer that wants to kick out these vendors. We mm. should talk about not only investment here, but expanding opportunities so street vendors at some point can have a one place for them to be part of a, a, a dignified space, as many vendors right now, over 200 vendors have. We need to protect them, hopefully expand it. We need to help them help with licenses commercial kitchens, 
there's so much investment that can happen so that we can provide dignity and respect to these street vendors who are part of the exported social fabric. Interesting, the Commissioner Garcia still hasn't visited um, the Discount Mall. I think perhaps it's because the semi-spokesperson for Nova Construction is the spokesperson for the, con- the congressman campaign for mayor. Wow, so, whoa, oh, so, whoa, you need to run that back. Oh, that was give, important. Give us, some, give us some context on the Discount Mall for, for our listeners who aren't aware of what's happening down there. Can you give us some context of what's happening? So the Discount Mall is, is, uh, is an economic engine in, in, uh, in Little Village. The Discount Mall has been in, in Little Village since 1991 for generations. This, this Discount Mall has a specialty item. These are Mexican, the majority Mexican products that are not made in anywhere else. You find it only in the Discount Mall. These are specialty items from dresses, from uh, quinceañeras, to boots, to hats, mm. uh, to kit items, to pets, you name it. This there is it. This economic engine, again, is the, is the heart of 26th Street. Mm. And again, they, they, this, um, um, this is this Discount Mall, and there's uh, you know, a bunch of other uh, stores around, around that, that area. Basically, is the feeding of traffic on the uh, 26th Street, the people who come from all the Midwest, not only from across Chicago, from across the state, but in many states on the Midwest to come and shop here. These are the kind of economic engines. People talk about uh, supporting small businesses, but when it comes to even protect the ones that we have right now, very few people actually walk the walk. Commissioner Johnson has come and worked with us and committed to find a way to help these these small vendors, and not only to stay, they generate just in rent. Just in rent, this this part of it between six to seven million dollars uh, wow. um, uh, a year, but yet they have to be displaced for a developer who opportunistically bought the site over six acres for seventeen point five million dollars. Wow. I think that we can create cooperatives so that we can keep these vendors. We can expand opportunities as we have a plan with Commissioner Johnson. So street vendors now, perhaps at one point, can expand and have a space here. That's how innovative we can be so that we can protect the small businesses that are the backbone of our economy. But we've got to be careful with politicians who cannot take care of their own districts, but they're talking about protecting and helping the small businesses or bringing <laughs> our communities together. So it's important that we do not allow greedy developers like Novak to overnight come and kick out between 400 to 500 direct jobs that are the state. That is what a mayor will do to be innovative. The other thing that we've got to do immediately is to stop this, uh, this, uh, uh, with this, this madness of allowing to this day, uh, proud boys and old keepers to be in the Chicago Police Department. So mm. I think, I think Congressman Garcia has been out of touch for, I think, quite some time because if he thinks that he's going to recruit these 1,600 officers and I went as Paul Ballas and, and, and Willie Wilson and other, uh, reactionaries, I think that we're going to put a lot of people at risk when we're putting the public safety of our community in the hands of white supremacy. Wow. So, real quick on the... on the Putting our community in the hands of white supremacy. For, for That's folks, what he said. I just want y'all to be clear. For folks that don't know, you know, oftentimes when we talk about the strips of businesses that bring in the most money into mm-hmm. Chicago, folks think of Gold Coast and downtown, naturally, right? But what they, what they don't know is that the, the real Gold Coast is in 26th Street. 26th Street brings um, the second highest amount of money into Chicago um, when we're talking about revenue and... and, uh, Is that retail and 
rents because he mentioned something about rent from from all from everything going on you know all economic activity going on 26th street is one of those hubs so when we so when the alderman's talking about the discount mall right that's that's a huge portion of that and not only that but you're talking about a a cultural hub Mm -hmm. right in the mexican american community in chicago um this is a this is a, a place where where folks go to get items like the alderman was saying that they can't get anywhere else right that is authentic exactly very important for for uh, Mexican American culture, mm-hmm. right? So um, the fight that the alderman is talking about that's happening right now is very important. I um, also heard the alderman say that uh, Brandon Johnson is the only candidate has, that has taken time out to go and meet with the vendors um, to even talk about what protections for them look like. I also like some of the ideas that Byron threw out in terms of how we can be more visionary um uh, <clears throat> providing a safe space, a identified safe space for the vendors, for the vendors. So like, right, like a co-op, right? a co-op. That's yeah. something that the the alderman was saying is is an idea, right? Where a space where the the legit building is owned by the vendors themselves, is owned by the workers there that are that are selling and working uh, the space themselves. Um, alderman, you did start talking about um, about police and police budget. I want to get a little bit into that because um, what we heard in the mayor debate is most candidates saying that we need to continue to increase the police budget. But what you just told us is that approximately 40% of our $6 billion budget goes towards policing, right? For for folks, real quick, some quick math, that's about $2.4 billion, right? So we're spending $2.4 billion. And we're spending more than New York and L.A. And largely Chicagoans are saying they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do? What what are some ideas that that you're saying, Alderman, that we need to do to actually increase safety, to really combat crime? So we we gotta look. I mean, uh, we strongly believe if if uh, violence can be predicted, it can be prevented. We right now right now know that there's between three to five thousand young kids that are at risk of violence because of. The disinvestment, historic disinvestment, mass incarceration. We have kids that have lost people to the pandemic. The kids that are now lost one one parent, in some cases both parents, who are only safety net is our schools. These are safety nets, community centers. We need more activities for young people. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the issues, a lot of the crimes. If you look at the average age for carjacking is 16 years old. And for these reactionaries, of course, it's easy to dehumanize for young people. But what we need to do is to make sure that we care for our young people, for our families. Look, in Juarez, there were two kids that were killed right in front of their apartments. There were 80 kids who witnessed a murder right in front of their eyes. We're still waiting for justice. But what I think what we want to make sure is that people understand that the root causes are need and, and they cannot continue to deny that and delay the, the, the issues of the investment. We need sustainable community schools. So we have wraparound services, mental health services after-school programming in our schools, trades, we got to bring trades back so that these or kids or you and the next generation have a future to believe in. So there are options. We are here trying to create uh, programs to scale them up so these young kids that are at risk, kids in Austin, they're 900 times more likely to be victims of gun violence than anybody else in the city of Chicago. That's what I believe Commissioner Johnson is the best choice because he understands He's lived it, and he knows the way forward. It's by investing, creating interventions and prevention strategies to save the lives of these young kids because doing anything or looking at 
the problem from uh, the perspective of these reactionaries to put more 1,600 officers when we have the police department. The, the police department per capita has the biggest budget in the entire country. And we still have, you know, crime that goes, you know, and no, in our communities completely impugned. So I think that we need it to invest in our communities, invest in mental health, invest in our schools, invest in opportunities, workforce development programs to allow them to come to apprenticeship programs and getting into the trade. So we need to invest in our communities. That's the way forward. What they want to do, and it hasn't worked, is this trickle-down economics to put a, every, a cop in every corner in downtown, to hope that the downtown holds and see what they can do for neighborhoods. It's failed. They'll continue to fail, and every politician that continues to say that is failing our kids and our communities that are dying and being hurt every single day and every single week as we continue to dismiss the root causes of the problem. Thank you, Alderman. So, Thank you so much, Alderman. We're going to be right back with another commercial break, but obviously we're getting right into it. Thank you. warm out there in Chicago. We know there's snow on the ground. I know, but it feels so good. It does. Listen, it does, don't let the snow um, you know, scare you. If it's some work you gotta get done today, some things you need to do to engage in your civic duty, don't let the snow scare you. Yeah, just drive safely because, you know, mugs think that it's it's the same when it's snowing outside and you you just see people's driving like you know it's nice and sunny out there with no no type of wetness on the ground but let's get back into it um alderman obviously you have been telling us a lot about um the 25th ward a lot about um safety and how we truly get there um something that that we a conversation we had with alderman woman taylor when she was on the show is what these conversations are like, you know, behind uh, the cameras and, and behind the city council uh, chambers. Like, in your experience, what, what have these conversations been like when you have these these with your colleagues, with the mayor? You know, what, what's that like? When you're trying to push an agenda for justice. Right. Right, for black and brown lives in the city of Chicago. What are the oppositional talks like? What keeps that from happening? What keeps us on this circle of continuing to talk about disinvestment when we see so many other communities where this is not an issue, right? So disinvestment across the city of Chicago is not a problem across the city of Chicago, right? Some communities are very well resourced. Some park districts are very well resourced. It's it's booming while others um, are just kind of like wasting away. So what what are those conversations like and how difficult is it for you and and other progressives to kind of move an agenda? You know, so we know that the, in the city of Chicago, we have had mayoral control for, for way too long. And when when uh, when we tried to propose um, legislation to address that, I mean, last last year in 2021, uh, we last budget, the previous budget, we tried to put three important amendments, and I think that we're within reach. We put an amendment for for 100 million dollars. Um, and this, again, these are compromises of the compromises, right? This is the very bare bones of that. I think what we should do, especially when we have the funding. But we put forward a proposal where state leaders and people in the community were asking for $100 million violence prevention funds. We needed at least uh, $70 million or, yeah, I think we need uh, $70 million 
uh, for um, uh, SRO single room occupancy units so that we can develop more uh, units for especially homeless residents, people who are vulnerable uh, and provide some basic shelter and their mental health, which is critical, especially uh, I think we're fighting for at least 150 clinicians, which is, again, a compromise of the compromise. This was not even $10 million, a $10 million amendment um, that, that we're looking in a time again where we have federal funding coming in, billions of dollars of federal relief funds that supposed to go for emergency funds for those who are struggling. Those three amendments never saw a light of day. I think that we out of that, we, we gain a, a 10% of those amendments, uh, even though we had the funds. The mm-hmm. consequences, again, I mentioned, um, uh, I mentioned the, um, uh, the situation at Juarez. We've seen the situation with young kids escalating, exacerbated with the pandemic, with poverty, and unfortunately the consequences, the tragic consequences of having more, uh, more of our young kids being victims of gun violence, families who are devastated, who are being torn apart already by the pandemic now, the pandemic of violence as well, as well as opioid epidemic and many other issues of how people are coping with pain. So when we talk about discussing legislatively, I mean, we're going to see how Mayor Lightfoot has even conducted his hearings I mean, the Education Committee, the Ethics Committee, there are committees that haven't met for months, if not years. Wow. So when we talk about uh, committees that are supposed to at least serve for uh, hearings that can discuss important legislative items and the importance and the priorities and how we define priorities democratically with council members, um, it is critical. We see an administration that unilaterally makes decisions, that is combative, that, that, that is conduct. Uh, so, so the testimonies, we even two years or more than two years ago, we had a hearing uh, back then, this two years ago, while the pandemic was, was hitting us hard, we had G2 Brown, Arturo Carrillo from uh, the Mental Health Coalition, G2 Brown from COCO, uh, another panel experts to talk about these root causes, to talk about strategic investment. We have a good idea of what we need to do, but yet it doesn't reflect on our actions. And after that, there was no more hearings. Uh, on the subject matter, even though it is important. I wow. hope that Mayor Lightfoot, at the very least, has at least the, um, the decency to talk about another important public safety hearing that we have proposed. The chair, uh, uh, Alderman Taliaferro, has committed to do it. Let's see Mayor Lightfoot calls it for a hearing, even though the chair, I know Alderman Taylor and I, I fully support it. We've been discussing this with the NAACP and other organizations in the city, including the Southern Poverty Law, about the serious issue of having proud and oath keepers within the Chicago Police Department and the dangers that it represents to the safety of black and brown communities. I'm hopeful that this hearing is going to take place since the chair is in favor. But again, even when the chairs have been in favor of hearings, they're having key conversations. If it's safety in the CPA, if it's issues with the park district, if it's issues with CPS, if it's issues with Chicago Police Department where we have, again, people out of touch. I cannot believe that any candidate who called themselves progressive would call to fulfill 1,600 vacancies with the issues that we have with the proud boys and all keepers who are, as, as we get reports from Inspector General and even retired police officers, concerned that we're being infiltrated and this could create even more violence in our community. If we don't have hearings like that, if we don't have discussion of a legislation, we are failing to implement policies on the ground because of the lack of, of um, commitment and the break of promises that Mayor Lightfoot has made. She's committed to do a lot of these things, yet when it came to discussing them, she's hiding behind the fifth floor, behind her desk, as many people in our community are hurting.
Wow. So a mayor that that came really, like, if we're honest, right at this time, last election, she was polling very low. But then, you know, a, a, a thunderbolt, if you will, um, came down in the form of the indictment on on uh, Alderman Burke. And that kind of propelled her to the front. So uh, a mayor that rose on this platform of uh, cleaning the swamp, if you will, draining it, you know, getting rid of corruption. So what you're saying is. As a boss, she's been horrible. As a manager, she's been horrible where she's canceling these meetings, these committee meetings and committee hearings. Why are those, you know, for the everyday voter, for all, for our listeners, why are those important? Why are, why are these committee hearings important and what, what's so um, damaging about canceling them? So when we, when we don't allow people to come and provide public testimony, when we don't allow people to present the legislative ideas, and I tell you, there's wonderful ideas. Look, we have wonderful people like uh, and leaders, young leaders like the Good Kids My City. They develop a beautiful proposal, the the, the Peace Book. Mm-hmm. That would be a fraction. I think two days of funding for the Chicago Police Department that would be more effective, and we cannot even get a a, um, um, a discussion on the matter or why we cannot invest on mm-hmm. our young people that have developed beautiful strategies or how they can keep a community safe. Mm-hmm. So, well, we don't, I mean... And these were young people that presented this to, to talk about keeping a community safe, yes? Absolutely. And look, we cannot even have conversations with the CTA CEO. I mean, it, talk, it took many of us called them called the CEO publicly, calling him out publicly for him to come and testify in front of city council, despite that we have many, many of our constituents complaining about safety, lack of reliability, the issues of scheduling, potential uh, rate hikes, all of these things. So when we don't have these officials coming and be accountable by the representatives, the local representatives, then how are we going to change this around when we cannot even have a conversation? We can certainly, we cannot hope, uh, we can expect Mayor Likely to do it, clearly has failed. So the council, the next step, we're supposed to hold them accountable, must legislate must hold him account, must scrutinize, uh, again, from the CPS, you know, I don't even think that his, uh, the C- Mr. Martinez has even come in front of the council yet. But we reach out to Whoa. Oh, Wait, Byron, Byron, slow down. You said that really quickly. What did you just say about uh, the CEO of CPS? But Mr. Martinez has not come in front of a public hearing in front of the city council to discuss the situation in our schools. I would love to have the opportunity to discuss with Mr. Martinez the situation of mass shootings in the Chicago public schools, while we cannot implement more active school programming, the same thing for the five districts. But that's what we with just recently, and because of the election teaching, we were able to implement quarterly meetings for these CEOs or these representatives of city agencies. Let's see, Mayor Lefford just recently was saying that she has nothing to do with parental leave. Uh, there's nothing to do that Mr. Martinez is, is the person who, who makes the policies of CPS. Well, let's discuss that publicly, though. Let's discuss that in, in, a, in a hearing with the CEO so that we can to the, pro, to the root cause of this issue and who is deciding what. Because last I checked, Meryl Lightfoot is, is actually the person who makes the final, the, the final work. She appoints the, 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 the Board of, of Education. That's what we need urgently, elected school board, so that we don't have those school decisions and we can have parental leave for, for CPS teachers, of course, and other workers. But the fact that we still don't have hearings, that's what we can legislate, that's what we can hold them accountable. It speaks volumes of the lack of uh, participation, the lack of democratic principles that the city has. And what Mayor Lefler has done when they dissent, uh, as having one of the board members in CPS, they simply are just let go. 
on their defense. So we must have these these hearings so that we can provide public testimony, we can hear constituents, and we can push for key legislative and and policy changes that can protect our safety, they can provide safety to our constituents, better policies, and that's what these hearings and these meetings are so important. That's the official prerogative in some society, right? It's not about a demanding prerogative or my own prerogative. It's about community prerogative. What the community Mm. would like to see, this is the woodland, for instance, when uh, the woman Taylor is being uh, demonized, well, because of the, the poor decisions that the mayor made. The mayor should have, have a conversation with the community way before and before it happens. I tell you, if that has happened, we probably would have a much better uh, process. Absolutely. Better and, you know, and again, this issue of lack of communication does create problems on the ground, and it really puts out a lot of communities at risk. Alderman, we want to thank you for thank spending you so time much, with Byron. us. Obviously, um, folks, if you don't know, Alderman uh, Byron Sixto Lopez is the only candidate, only progressive candidate in the 25th Ward. Um, we need to go out uh, and, and support our champions, especially uh, folks that have the courage, like the Alderman, to, to talk about um, the truth, right, and to bring truth to power and, and to let us know and inform us what's it, what it's really like uh, going on behind camera and behind closed doors. So, Alderman, thank you for, for joining us this morning. We appreciate your time um, and keep fighting the good fight. Keep fighting the fight um, on the people's side. We appreciate you, Byron. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Larry. Keep having a good fight. Whoa. I know he got on a roll, and some of you all may have missed some of the things he said, but uh, the alderman said so many critical things, uh, so many impediments to justice that are occurring um, on the fifth floor, uh, not having committee hearings, not having people who run major departments like Chicago Public Schools not come before the council to say to address some of the issues that are happening in CPS. And I remember when we were in... uh, contract negotiations um and and I wasn't on this team I was on the previous team to, to for the contract fight but it blew my mind to know that that Lori very rarely showed up to these things, right? Again, an impediment to progress because you're moving, you try to move an agenda, get to a place where we can settle and say, okay, this is something we can both live with. And then you go, her people take it back to the board. She just throws it completely out, right? So she is just such an impediment to progress yeah. in this city. Yeah. And a lot of it, in my opinion, has to do with her ego. She's a bit, I mean, a lot of decisions she makes are so petty, so small, so anti-woman. I don't know how you can, can say um, you're not going to have the maternal leave, the, the family uh, leave in, in an industry that's 80 percent female. Yeah. And, you know. Um, I, I want to bring it back to what we were talking about sort of at the top of this hour. Um, when we talk about um, our union and, and, and bargaining for the common good and what we've been talking about, something that I, that I am proud of and I, and I was glad to see during the mayoral debate was the fact that almost every candidate is uplifting treatment not trauma that's campaign, true right and the fact that uh folks try to take credit for that but the reality is that that's something that came out from the people that campaign started from the people started from organizers fighting and talking about that true justice isn't constantly investing in more policing but rather investing in and the, the treatment that it takes mm-hmm. to actually deal with the trauma that our people are facing 
right? Chicago is in hurt. Chicago is in pain. But we all know that Chicago continues to survive. And it's because of us. Right. Right? It's because the people, it's because working shot. class people got us. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I just want to shout out Chicagoans today. I want to shout you all because no matter what, we continue to fight despite the winters that we go through, despite the the impediments um, that our failed leadership puts in place. We continue to persist because we must, because we have no other. Like that's Chicago. That's Chicago. And we got a real shot. And I, and I want people to be aware that we got a real shot. And what's something we got just like a minute left. What's something you're looking forward to seeing come out? In the, in the next round of debates amongst the, the candidates. What's something you think got missed or overlooked that you think Chicagoans would benefit from knowing a little bit more about? I know for me, it was like the ECPS. Like, nobody really talked about that as a part of the safety plan. Like, we talked about the police, but we didn't talk about what's coming up with police oversight, and I thought that was significant. I think something that I'm really looking forward to is to really pay attention to what um, candidates are uplifting. Right. And to really pay attention to how candidates who have fought us on this time and time are now taking our talking point. They are. To hear. But Lori did that last To time. hear conservative candidates come out and try to steal the people's talking points. <laughs> that's something I want to pay. Uh, that I want Chicago to pay attention. Pay attention, attention. Chicago. Pay attention. We, Chicago. We love you. One love.